I love Christmas. Um, it's one of the funnest times. I love the lights. I love looking at people's Facebook pages and seeing the Christmas tree that they just put up. Uh, me and Micah don't actually have a Christmas tree in our apartment. We talked about it, and I don't think we're going to do it. We're just too lazy. Just, just to be honest with you. No, but I love it. I love the Christmas season. I love, I love uh, like I said, the Facebook pictures and everything that's going on. I love driving around and looking at lights, um, especially with it being cold outside. There's just something about it. It's cold outside. There's beautiful lights around, a little foggy, a little misty, you know, whatever. Christmas is awesome. Christmas is awesome. Um, and the reason we celebrate Christmas is even better because the Savior of the world, King Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, came to earth. You see, and he changed everything. Thing, th- thing, things was one way, and then Jesus showed up, and they became something different. That's the power that he had. And so we're going to continue along uh, in, in, in our series this morning uh, titled The First Christmas. Pastor Dan, he kicked us off last week, and he talked about the wise men. Uh, and he explained to us how, how God had, had been silent for 400 years, and then uh, with the cry of a little baby boy named Jesus, he began to speak again. And I love that, that the word became flesh. I love that in the Bible when it says the word, the word of God. So everything that that people had to just read about in the past was now actually here in flesh through Jesus Christ. I love that. No longer do we have to just read about God, but we know God. We know who he is. And so Pastor Dan talked about the wise men and, and how it was and actually debunked some of our beliefs that we thought maybe could have been true. Maybe the wise men actually weren't there uh, when Jesus was born. I don't know about you, but I was like, excuse me, you are ruining Christmas for me right now. <laughs> but it's the truth. So that's what we do. Today I want to start off, and I, I want to read the scripture, and it's out of Luke uh, 1, 46 through 55. But before we do, let's pray. God, I ask that today that you would be glorified in this place. Jesus, that your name would be lifted high. And God, places in people's lives uh, that may be a little dry and a little weary and a little barren, God, would, 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 would come back to life. Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts, touch our souls. Jesus, we give you this time. We, spe- we say, speak for your servant hears. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Luke 1, 46 through 55, this is what it said. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations or the imagination of their hearts. That's awesome wording right there. I just love that. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Amen. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham into his seed forever. So today, this is what we're doing. We're looking at another person from the first Christmas. What do we mean by first Christmas? Well, when Jesus showed up, that was the first Christmas. So we're going to be looking. And, and this person actually wasn't at the manger scene, 
but she was around at the time. She was around at the time. Her name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth. If you don't know anything about Elizabeth today, you're going to be best friends by the time you walk out. You're going to know all about her. All about her. But Elizabeth, she was married to a man named Zechariah. She was also Mary's relative. Uh, she was well advanced in her years. She was old. The Bible. <laughs> she was old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, we're moving on. And she had never had a child. She had never had a child. So what, what is important? What's so big about Elizabeth that, we, that we're going to talk about her today? Well, here's, here's what's so big about Elizabeth is God did something truly amazing in her. God performed a huge miracle in her life. You see, God made life out of a barren place. God made life out of a barren place. Here, I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, God is making life out of barren places. Let's do it again. God is making life out of barren places. You see, the Bible calls Elizabeth barren. She couldn't have kids. You know what? Actually, instead of me trying to explain to you who Elizabeth is, she's actually here today. And I'm going to let her do that herself. Well, you're no spring chicken. That was the very first thing my neighbor said to me when I told her I was pregnant. Can you believe it? Maybe she just didn't believe me, so I don't hold it against her. She's been a tad cranky ever since she found a scorpion in her girdle drawer. (laughs) Maybe she couldn't understand how much of a miracle this was for me. Zachariah and I, we had tried our whole lives to have a child of our own. By the time most of my hair turned gray and Zacharias turned loose, we'd given up hope. But nothing is impossible with God. He seems to delight in making life in impossibly barren places. And as if that wasn't enough, the angel who brought us this unbelievable news had more to say. This child, our son, would be used by God to prepare our people for the coming of the Messiah. It it was all too much of a gift to be real. Then I thought, how would we even begin to train a child for a job like that? But God had those details covered, too. And it kept getting better. When I was about six months along, my cousin Mary came for a visit. No sooner had she said hello than my unborn son jumped and flipped inside me. Right then, God opened my eyes to clearly see that this young girl standing in our home was also with child. And he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Nine months later, we got the news from Bethlehem. And I looked over at Zachariah, holding our very own miracle baby. And I had one of those, one of those God moments. That moment when you realize that God had different plans. He'd brought us life in barren places. He hadn't forgotten about us. And he would never leave us alone again. So good. You were really good at that. So good. So I'm sure if, if, uh, if we got honest today, if we really got honest with ourselves, um, we would say that we have some barren places in our, in our heart, in our soul. There's some areas in our life that just seem barren. Just like Elizabeth. Now, she was actually barren. But there's, there's some places in our lives, if we got honest and we said, you know what, there are some places in my life. There are some things. But you see, I want to prophesy and say to you today that God is making life in barren places. He is making life where it's been dead. He's making life in barren places for you this morning. So as we go through this morning, I want you to hold on to that promise. That's not an empty word. That's not an empty promise. God wants to make life in barren places, in your soul and in your heart. He wants to make life in barren places. You see, but I, I, I know what we do. We say, God, it's not to argue and I can't stand anymore. It's the silence. And God's reply to you would be, God is making life in barren places. And you say, God, my children are crazy. And they look at me like I'm an idiot. God is making life in barren places. Students in here, they would say, God, my parents don't have a clue who I am. God would say, I'm making life in barren places. Some of you in here would say, God, this loneliness is too much. And God would say, I'm making life in barren places. Some of you would say, God, aren't the holidays supposed to bring us together? And you'd say, I'm making life in barren places. Some of you would say, God, depression, I can't take it anymore. And God's promise to you is, I'm making life in that barren spot. God, I don't have the money to pay the bills this month. God says, I got you, I'm making life in barren places. You see, what does the word barren mean? What do you think of when you hear the word barren? I think of a desert, right? I think of a desert. What is a desert? Desert's barren. It really doesn't have anything in it. I wouldn't want to live in a desert. See, barren is a horrible word uh, that we use for women who could not have children. You really don't hear it anymore. Um, but back in the Bible, Elizabeth heard it all the time. She heard it for years, actually. In a time when a woman's worth was measured by how many kids that she had, Elizabeth was barren. You see, a lot of people actually look down upon you. If you had a lot of kids, actually, people would say, God is happy with you. You've done something right. You found favor in the Lord's eyes. God is happy with you. You have a bunch of kids. And if you didn't have kids, they would say, what have you done? What's wrong with you? What's going on? You must have done something really bad. See, barren was a bad thing back then. It was horrible. People used to judge you for it. But when we think of the word barren, we think of a desert. And there's a story in the Old Testament where Moses is leading the people. Remember the children of Israel? Everybody remember the story? 
leading the children through the through the uh, not the children but the people of Israel through the through the wilderness and through the desert. And uh, the people are starting to complain. They're thirsty. They want something to drink. They want some water. They're starting to form the maybe we should turn around and go back committees. You know, anything is better than this right now. I'm thirsty. God, you delivered us from Egypt, and then you brought us out here to kill us. That's basically what they're saying. I'm thirsty. This is a barren place that you brought us. And so they're forming those committees like, hey, I don't think Moses knows what he's doing anymore. We need to go back. We need to get out of here. He's gone crazy. He got us out of Egypt, but look where he brought us. So the people of Israel are not impressed with God anymore. So Moses says, God, God, can you give them a drink, please? They're about to desert me. They're about to leave. They're about to go back into the captivity that you just delivered us from. Can you please give them something? And God just doesn't give them a drink of water. I want you to see this this morning, right? He doesn't just give them a drink of water. He gives them a river. Imagine the the Niagara Falls, right? Imagine Niagara Falls in reverse shooting up from the ground. That's what God did. They asked for water. They asked for just a drink of water. And God gave them the Niagara Falls flowing in reverse action. That's crazy. He did. The scripture tells us that God gave the complainers water abundantly. Here's your word for the day, okay? Rabbim. It's A-R-A-B-B-I-M. And it means abundantly. And Jesus said it in John 10, 10. Remember this? He said, the thief does not come except to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life. Now, check this out. Oh, life. That's good. You may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. More abundantly. I love it that Jesus didn't just come to give us life. Life is great. Life is good. But Jesus actually come to give us something just a little better than that. He came to give us an abundant life. Amen? Some of us aren't living that abundant life. But Jesus came to give it to you. He didn't come to give you just an ordinary life where you can barely survive. And please don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching a prosperity doctrine, okay? But he didn't give you that life. He came to give you an abundant life. Does that mean money? I don't know what that means. I know that that means satisfaction. I know that that means when you look back you say, that was good. That was abundant. God showed up. And as we say in Texas, God showed out. God showed up and God showed out. I wrote that in an email to uh, the junior high parents after they, they, they were at camp. And I was like, I've heard that God has shown up and God has showed out. And Dan replied back to me because Trevin was there. And he was like, what does showed out mean? I said, Dan, don't worry about it. It's a Texas thing. It's a Texas thing. But he did. God just didn't come. Jesus didn't just come to give us just life. He didn't come just to give us life. He came to give us an abundant life. That means healthy relationships. That means a healthy body. That means good things. Jesus came to give us an abundant life. And I want you to hear that this morning. Because a lot of times it's really easy to settle. The devil loves it when we settle. He does. He does not want you getting everything that God has for you. The Bible calls him the enemy, the enemy of your soul. He loves for us to settle. 
Jesus says, don't settle. I've got an abundant life for you. I've got more than just your asking for. I've got abundant life. So today, here's what I want to do with the life of Elizabeth. Great job, Sarah. That was awesome. That was amazing. Um, I want to look at the life of Elizabeth. You see, God did something abundantly. He made life in a barren place for Elizabeth. Actually, she was barren. She could not have kids, right? And God showed up, and now she does. See, that's what God does. He performs miracles. He performs miracles in our life. So I want to look at a couple of things uh, out of Elizabeth's life. Just a couple of things that she said from the, from the monologue up here, uh, things like that, things that are in the Bible. But number one is this. I want you to know something this morning. I want you to know that God has not forgotten about you. Come on now. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it is really tough. Sometimes I think that God has forgotten about me. How could all this be going on? Some of us in the room today really believe that God has forgotten about you. You really do. We may not say it out loud. We may not tell the person sitting next to us. We may not tell anybody else. But we live our lives like God's forgotten about us. God's forgotten about us. He told me something a long time ago. But somewhere along the way he forgot about it. Really? Really? Is he capable of doing that? Is he capable? We live like the same God who created us. Who created us. Has forgotten about us now. Elizabeth did, right? Elizabeth. She said it. She said it in the thing. She said, I thought God had forgotten. That he had forgotten about us. I remember when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And uh, uh, I was getting ready. We had, we went to church all the time when I was a kid. I was a, I was a PK. I was a preacher's kid. So they drug us to church all the time. We went to church on Sunday morning. We went to church on Sunday night. We went to church on Wednesday and possibly Saturday night if something special was happening. So we were at church a lot. But this time, we were going for a Wednesday night service. And so I was in the shower, and I was getting ready. Uh, and as I walk out, I'm 12 or 13, you know, I'm dressed and everything. I look out, and everybody's gone. Like, where did my family go? Where did they go? Did they forget me? And by the way, literally, I'm crying because... The emotion still comes back. No, uh, because seriously, like when I was a kid, I hated to be by myself. Until I was about 15 years old, like I hated the dark and to be by myself. You know, some of you are like, that's a little extreme. That's a little old, you know. 15, you got over that? <laughs> seriously. Seriously, and I used to cover it up with like a macho man attitude, you know. Um, anyways, that doesn't work. Um, but. I was scared to be by myself. So when I walk, after I take, get out of the shower and I go to my room and I put my clothes on and I walk out the door and the lights are off and no one's home? Where'd they go? I knew they were probably at church. But I couldn't drive. I couldn't get myself there. And so I'm freaking out. Like, oh no. My mom, my brothers and my sisters had like five of them. So I was like, how did everybody forget me? Couldn't somebody just say, oh yeah, remember Adam? He'll be here in a minute. But it didn't go out like that. So I remember, I remember what I did. So I'm freaking out. And, and I look everywhere. I look everywhere in the house. I'm looking in closets. I'm looking at pantries. Like, are we playing hide and go seek? What's going on here? Um, and I'm freaking out. But I remember sitting on the couch and like, I'm forgotten. I'm forgotten. <laughs> Dramatic story, I know. Uh, 
Um, and then finally, I don't know why I didn't check the garage, but I hear a horn come from the garage. And I was like, oh. I mean, literally, I was in the house five, ten minutes walking around trying to figure out why my mom forgot me. And I hear the horn from the garage. And I walk out and I was like, she's like, come on, we're going to be late. I was like, you've been in here the whole time? But some of us actually walk through life like that. I know that's a funny story. But some of us actually walk through life like that. We're looking around. We're looking for God. Oh, no, he's forgotten about us. Where is he? <laughs> he's forgotten me. Just like me at 12 years old. I thought I was forgotten. Where could they be? But God hasn't forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows it all. He sees it all. And he hasn't forgotten about you. See, Luke 12, 7 through 8 says this. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are... You are you are, more, you are of more value than many sparrows. If God knows where the sparrows are at, if he knows about the sparrows, he knows about you. And he hasn't forgotten you. I'm here to tell somebody in here today, God has not forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you're at. You may feel alone. You may feel betrayed. You may feel all sorts of emotions. But God has not forgotten about you. And he wants to show up and he wants to become very real in whatever situation you're in that makes you feel that way. God has not forgotten about you. He sees the barren places in your life, the places where you've struggled, the places where you've thought, God doesn't even care about this anymore. It's been happening for so long. He's given up on this and he's turned his back and he's walked away. God sees the barren places. He hasn't forgotten about them. And he wants to do something. And I'm believing that today is a turning point in your life in some barren places. That God is going to come and he's going to bring life into the barren places that you thought God forgot about. That's what he does. He's a God of life. He brings life. Wherever he shows up, wherever the Holy Spirit is, there is life. And there is life more abundantly. That's exactly what he wants to do in your financial situation, in your relationships with your significant other, in your relationship with your kids, whatever it may be. God wants to show up in a barren place and he wants to bring life. And I don't know about you, but I'm open for that. I say, come on, God, do what only you can do. Number two is this. God's plans could be different. I don't know about you, but I don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear that. God's plans could be different. The plans we thought we had figured out for our lives maybe aren't God's plans. Maybe they're different. <laughs> it happens a lot. You see, plans are not bad. Plans are a good thing. But sometimes our plans and God's plans aren't the same thing. And guess who wins that battle? I'll just give you a guess. God's going to win. See, Proverbs 19.21 says this. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel 
Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. You see, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had planned to never have kids. They stopped trying, right? They were done. They were done. They were getting old. They couldn't have any kids. They thought, well, I guess that wasn't God's plan. So, so, so they, didn't, they didn't go for it anymore. They didn't try. And God said, no, I have different plans. You see, it, it, it's true. Even if you read through the story, Zechariah, uh, he asked the angel Gabriel, because Gabriel shows up uh, to Zechariah and he says, look, your wife is going to have a baby boy. And it's an angel, right? It's an angel saying, I don't know. I don't get this sometimes in the Bible. Like, it's an angel standing in front of you. Believe it. <laughs> Zechariah's like, I don't know about that. We're pretty old. Really? An angel standing in front of you? I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, sure. I'd say I would. I'd probably doubt it too. But Zechariah, he's like, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that that can happen. You see, that's not our plan anymore. That used to be our plan But we got so heartbroken along the way and discouraged that we changed our plan. And God basically shows up and said, my plan has never changed. My plan is the same. You're going to have a baby boy. And you're going to name him John the Baptist. And everybody's trying to give him different names, but they're like, no, his name's John. Well, there's not a John in your family because you have to be named after somebody in your family. They're like, well, we're starting a new trend. They named you John. But Gabriel, Gabriel tells him, Zacharias, and now I can't, they, can't, they can't be. And actually, Zechariah became mute and unable to speak because he didn't believe the word that the angel spoke. He didn't believe that was possible. You see, they had planned not to have kids. At one time, they planned to have kids. But discouragement and things came along. And then they just got too old to where they just totally said, we can't have kids. And then the angel of the Lord shows up and said, no, you're having a kid. See this whole thing going on here? And Zachariah's like, whoa, 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 this isn't part of our plan anymore. We are, our heart's already been broke over that issue. My heart's already been broken over that issue. I don't want to go back there and, and ha- actually maybe happen again to me. That hurt was too much. But God says, no, I'm in it this time. This is my plan. God's plan was different. You see, some of us in here today, we have a plan. Our plan is that we're going to be alone forever. Some of us, we're going to be alone forever. We've been waiting too long. You got to understand, God has different plans. And I'm actually saying that to you today. That if you feel alone in here today, God doesn't want you to feel like that. If you have planned to be alone the rest of your life, God has different plans for you. He has different plans for you. God is not a God of loneliness. What is God a God of? Abundant. Abundant life. You see, and you have to understand that, that, that some of the time that we have to look back and say, oh, that's why that happened. Some of the plans that we made that didn't come through. You see, maybe God lets you go through something to make you a little stronger. Make you a little stronger. Toughen you up. Get you ready for what he has coming for you. God does that. Maybe you went through uh, this thing and, uh, uh, so you can help somebody who's in the same situation. God does that. God allows us 
to go through things so that we can be a help to somebody down the road. He does. Or maybe God's plan wasn't fully ready for you yet. And so you had to wait and be patient. That's how it was for Elizabeth. She had to wait and be patient. So that takes us to number three, and that's wait. See, nowadays we have a hard time waiting, right? I know I do. You know that people usually, to get information, they used to have to go to this place called a library. And they had to, they had to, they had to look through these cards, you know? I don't even remember what they call them anymore. Yeah, and uh, those things. And uh, uh, they had to look through them. And then they had to figure out where the book is. And then they'd go to find this book with the information in it. And it might be there and it might not. Depending on how somebody else beat you there to it. So you had to wait. Today, let's get real. Today, if Google doesn't come back with the response within three to four seconds, we are upset. If we Google something and, then, and we don't get a response within three or four seconds, we're wondering what's taking so long. It's making me wait. We have a hard time waiting these days. We do. We are an, an impatient people. I know I am. I'm not saying that over you. If you're not, then just throw it off, okay? Say, no, Adam, I'm very patient and I wait well. But we are for the most part. We are impatient. That's the society that we live in. Everything's got to be now, 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 now. I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. I want it now. I find myself in that situation a lot. God, I want what you have for me, and I want it right now. Like a little kid. Come on, he's in the grocery store. He's stomping around. He wants the toy. Mom's saying no. I want it right now. Sometimes we act like that. And God says, no, you have to wait. Be patient. Just like Elizabeth. She waited a long time. But God finally showed up and God showed out. The perfect timing. You see, you've got to understand that God wants to bring life into your barren places. Wherever it is, wherever it is in your heart, your soul, your mind, whatever it may be in your body, God wants to bring life into your barren place. He wants to do that for you this morning. And he wants you to grab a hold of that promise that, God, what you did for Elizabeth, you can do for me. Whether it be having a real, a natural kid. I almost said a real kid. I don't know how you have a fake kid. (laughs) But having a kid. There's somebody in here today that God says, I have that for you. That's the life I want to make in a barren place for you. I know that right now. God wants to do that. Some of you are saying, I'm lonely. I want somebody. God says, I got it. I got it figured out. Or whatever it may be. There's all sorts of barren places. But remember, we have to wait. Wait patiently. How many know that the the plans of God are bigger and better than any plan that we could ever make for ourselves? They are. They're bigger than anything we could ever dream up for ourselves. We may look at them and go, oh, that doesn't look too fun. But do you know the joy and the satisfaction of actually accomplishing God's plan? When you, okay, God gives you this little plan for this certain season in your life. And when you walk through that plan and you do everything that he told you to do faithfully as best you know how, do you know the joy and the satisfaction that comes from that? I'm not talking about monetary things. I'm not talking about anything like that. It's just something inside you that says, that was good. And sometimes our plans and things can be so empty 
They can be for the wrong reasons. But God has things for you to do. And he wants to bring life into your barren place. But I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. What barren spots you have in your, your life, in your heart, whatever it is this morning. But God wants to do something. God wants to show up and he wants to do something. Because this morning, and I prophesy over to you, and I say over you, I speak it over you, that God wants to make life in your barren place. I know I've said it a hundred times so far, but maybe a hundred and one it might stick. God wants to do that. He's not an angry God. He's not looking at you, coming up with all the reasons why he can't do it for you. Why he shouldn't do it for you. He sent his son, Jesus, to bring you life and to bring you an abundant life. And that same Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to make life in barren places in us. See, so those barren places, God is making life in them. Just like he did for the, for the children of, uh, of Israel. They're a bunch of complainers, right? They're complaining. It's too hot. I'm thirsty. Give me something to drink. We're, going, we're turning around. We're going back. God sent them water. He didn't just send them water, but he sent them an abundant, an abundant water. He wants to do that today. I'm telling you. He wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that. That's what God does. That's who he is. That's his very personality, his character. He is too good. He is too good. So I want you to believe that today, that God, what you did for Elizabeth, Lord, what the miracle that you performed in a barren place for her, God, would you do it for me? Would you do it for me? I want to ask the band to come up. Would everyone just bow their heads and close their eyes with me? Jesus, we, we thank you for today, God. Lord, and we, I, I want to say that, I, that thank you for making life in my barren places. God, where I thought it was never going to change, God, where I thought it was over, it was done, and, and there's, there's nothing I can do about it. God, there really was nothing I can do about it. It was you. It was you who brought the life in my barren place. So I just ask that this morning, that Holy Spirit, you would come in and you would bring life right now to each individual in this room. God, whether it be in the mind, whether it, whether it be in someone's heart or soul, whatever it may be, God, you know. You know. You created us. You know us. So we ask that life, an abundant life, would be born in our barren spot. Jesus, we love you. You are so good. You give us what we don't deserve. That's what you do. So we call upon you today. And we ask that you would just come. Make yourself known in our life. Father, not so that it could be something cool that you did for me. But Jesus said, just like Elizabeth, that it would be a testimony of the goodness of who you are. God, it would be a testimony of the life that you give. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray.